0: going to a sleepover, hanging out with people that you barely knew. You don't normally get a night off from your five children, but tonight was the night. You decide to stay over, hang out, drink, and just have fun. But little did you know, you would never come home. Hello, my fellow divers, and welcome back to another episode of Crime Dive, where we take a deep dive into crime. I'm your host Lexi. Thank you so much for listening and watching. If you're new, Welcome to the water. We're so happy to have you. If you're returning, welcome back to the water. We missed you and thank you for coming back to take another deep dive into crime with us. Please be sure to subscribe to my channel and go ahead and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty much anywhere you can listen to a podcast. Please feel free to follow me on Instagram and TikTok. I will have all the links to that in the episode description. You can also help us out over here at Crime Dive. You can also find my email in the episode description for any business inquiries. Today, we are going to be talking about the case of Tamla Horsford. This case is very interesting. Frankly, I think it's just suspicious. Police were definitely not trying to investigate this case the way they should have for whatever reason. And once I begin to explain the elements of the case, as well as where it took place, I think it'll make a little bit more sense. But with that, let's get right into the case. Tamla Ayana Horsford was born on October 10th, 1978 in St. Vincent in the Caribbean. Her father's name was Kurt, but for some reason I could not find her mother's name. I couldn't find it anywhere. She also has a sister named Summer. I'm not sure if she has other siblings. However, this was one of Tamla's siblings that I was able to find. Again, not sure if this is her only one or not. Tamla was described as being the life of the party and she loved to dance and have fun. She was funny, she was selfless, and she always stood up for the minority. She just loved the underdog. She was always very supportive of the underdog. In 1989, when Tamla was just 11 years old, her family decided to move to the Bronx in New York. Eventually as an adult, she grew up and she decided to move to Florida and it was there that she met her husband Leander otherwise known as Lee for short. Leander had a daughter from a previous relationship, so when him and Tamla got together, immediately she treated her as her own and they were really, really close. Eventually, Tamla and Lee welcomed five sons of their own, five sons, so they were a pretty big family. Lee eventually got a job in Cummings, Georgia, so the family decided to move from Florida all the way to Cummings in Forsyth County where they were going to continue raising their family. Tamla was an absolutely amazing mother. Everybody who knew her called her a super mom. She was a stay at home mom actually. So she was very involved in her children's lives, going to all their sporting events. She would always be at their school activities. She was a very hands on mother and she loved it. She loved being a mother. She would even be at the kids football games with a bullhorn, just screaming up and down the field, supporting them. And they could always count on her to be there. So I mentioned not that long ago that Cummings, Georgia, where Lee and Tamla had decided to move was in a place called Forsyth County and Forsyth County has a very interesting past. Forsyth County is an area that is known to be predominantly white. They have a very racial history that dates all the way back to 1912. They were known for publicly lynching a man after he had been falsely accused of sexually assaulting and murdering a white woman. His lynching was really never investigated or looked into. People just thought that this was something that was okay to do to him because he was black and his alleged victim was white. Even though there was no proof tying him to the case now days before this alleged crime occurred there was a rumor going around that black residents were actually going to blow up the town and this set off a domino effect of white residents trying to drive black residents out and they were doing so by threatening arrest violence and killing them in no time white residents were trying to racially cleanse forsyth county and it worked the black population decreased from a little over a thousand to less Then five, five. As time progressed, this racist mindset within Forsyth County only grew. When you're not exposed to other types of people, it's very hard to develop a mindset that is a little bit more accepting of other races. In other words, if you're always around your same type of people, you're not really gonna learn and grow. And that really created this bigoted mindset that just carried on through the years and is still alive and well today. When Tamla and Lee moved to Forsyth County, wasn't much different, still very similar issues, only I guess sometimes they try to hide it a little bit better, it's not as blatant as it was back in the early 1900s, but it's still rooted in the system of the area, including law enforcement. In October of 2019, Tamla was sent an Evite to a party by a woman named Jean Myers. Now, Jean was actually the mother of another child on Tamla's son's football team. So they didn't know each other too, too well. They really only hung out at football games with the exception of Tamla going to John's house one time along with her children. But other than that, they didn't really know each other. But John wanted to extend the invite to Tamla so she could join her at her house. This party was intended to be an adult pajama slumber party and it was set for November 3rd, 2018 at 7 p.m. And the purpose of this party was to watch the LSU versus Alabama football game. they were going to be doing a little bit of drinking, so Jean didn't want anybody to have to drive home, so she opened her home for people to stay the night. Now Jean's friend Stacy actually planned the entire thing for her, even though it was set to be at Jean's house, and there were going to be ten people there, including Tamla, Jean, and Stacy. Now I'm going to list to you the names of the other women. First we have Madeline, who was actually Jean's aunt. Then there's Nicole, Marcy, Bridget. Jennifer, Sarah, and Paula. These were all of the women that were set to attend Jean's party. Some of these women didn't know each other very well. Some were just meeting for the first time or had maybe only met one other time. And this was the case for Tamla. She didn't know a whole lot of people that were gonna be there. She barely knew Jean. Not to mention, Tamla was the only black woman that would be attending this slumber party, so. You to keep that in mind. So, this was supposed to be an all girls' night thing, it was only just supposed to be the girls. But, John's boyfriend Jose, who lived with her, wasn't feeling too well, so he decided to stay in and watch the game in the basement with Stacy's husband, a man named Tom. As I said, Stacy was John's friend that helped plan the party but they were just gonna stay in the basement and stay out of everybody's way while the women were upstairs enjoying their sleepover. People arrived for the party between 7 and 7.30 p.m. Tamla didn't get there until between 8 and 8.30 p.m. and she texted Jean to let her know that she was gonna be running a little bit late, but that she would be there. But before Tamla left her house, she wasn't really too excited about going to this party. Most likely because she really just didn't know anybody there. Adults don't normally have sleepovers. A lot of the time they usually like to go home to their own house or their families or their husbands. So it's normally not considered something that you would usually do as an adult. According to Lee, she really just wasn't looking forward to going and she just wanted to stay home. But she decided that she was gonna go because she didn't wanna offend John and little did Tamla know that that choice would be sealing her fate. When Tamil arrived, she was said to be in really good spirits by everybody that was there. They said she was very energetic, she was in a great mood, she seemed to be having fun. She showed up in white pajamas with gray paw prints all over them and black socks. And this was the outfit that she wore for the rest of the night. Now, I wanna bring this point up because to me, it's pretty interesting and it is relevant. Tamla had actually brought Jean a bottle of tequila almost as a present when she walked in the house. You know, you don't wanna go to somebody's house empty-handed. So she brought a bottle of tequila that was imported from Mexico and Tamla was really excited to drink it. She thought it was really good. She wanted to bring it for Jean and anybody else that wanted to have some. But Jean said, "Mm, I don't drink tequila. And then when she opened it and smelled it, she said she threw up in her mouth and said thank you, but I'm not gonna drink it. I don't know about you and where your type of manners are, but personally for me, if somebody brought me something that I wasn't too fond of or absolutely didn't like, I would at least pretend like I did. I wouldn't just be like, ew, no, I don't want that, no, thank you, ugh, like that's just rude. It was just a bit off-putting that this is how people reacted to her, just bringing a nice gift. Even if you didn't like it, you can at least be appreciative. Around halftime, Jose and Tom ended up coming upstairs in order to eat. And they were hanging out with the women. They were all just having fun, relaxing, talking, drinking. But eventually one of the women asked Tom and Jose if they could go to the gas station and get more ice. So Tom and Jose do just that. They go get the ice and then they come back and they actually stayed upstairs for the remainder of the night. So they didn't go back downstairs to watch the game. They stayed up there with the rest of the ladies and they finished the game up there. Around the time the game ended, Tamla decided to FaceTime Lee and talk to him and say goodnight to him and her kids. And everybody else that was around, they kind of popped in the camera, said hello, said hi to the kids. Tamla then FaceTimed her daughter, who was actually a little bit older and pregnant. So Tamla and Lee were about to become grandparents. Tamla says hello to her, says goodnight, just talking to her really quick, and she hangs up. But that would be the last time that Tamla would speak to her family. Now, I mentioned earlier there was a woman named Paula who was actually supposed to be at the party, but she didn't arrive till around 10 p.m. She was really late. It's not known what she was doing or why she wasn't there any sooner, but she arrived pretty late. And it was around the time that she arrived that Sarah and Nicole, two other women at the party, decided to leave. They did not drink that night because they weren't planning on spending the night. After the game ended, everybody's kind of hanging out, relaxing, just drinking, partying, playing games. They decided to play Cards Against Humanity, which if you know, you know, they were just having a good time together. Everybody was enjoying themselves. But around 1am, everybody decided that it was time to wind down and they just wanted to go to bed. One of the women there named Jen had actually gotten a little too intoxicated. She was known to drink a lot. Marcy, another woman who was there, decided to take Jen to bed. And they went upstairs in John's house and they decided to sleep together so Marcy could watch over Jen. It was at this point that Tamla actually decided that she just wanted to go ahead and head home. She didn't really feel like spending the night, but everybody that was there insisted that Tamla spend the night. They said, no, you've been drinking a pretty good amount. I don't think you should get behind the wheel. And specifically, Stacy, Tom, and John were dead set on her not leaving the home because she had drank. So Tamla agreed to just stay in order to calm everybody's nerves and not worry anybody. But according to Leander, he knew that if Tamla had driven home, she would have been fine. He said she knew how to hold her liquor. She knew how to keep herself together enough to drive home. He said 100% my wife would have made it home that
1: night. One thing I do know about my wife, and this is, I mean, it may not be a good thing, but we're both from the islands and mm-hmm. we both grew up drinking mm-hmm. and she could handle her liquor. She right. could handle, I mean, and she she would drink like straight shots of tequila, but my wife would have made it home. I can guarantee you that a hundred percent, a hundred percent.
0: She would have made it
1: home. Oh, yeah, 100% she would have made it home.
0: So Tamla figures, well, if I'm not going to go home, we might as well keep the party going. And according to Jean, Tamla really wanted to stay up. She wanted people to stay up with her. She wanted to continue drinking. She just wasn't ready to go to bed yet. But everybody else was pretty tired. It was around 1, one thirty at this point, and they just wanted to go to bed. Eventually, Jean and Jose decided to go upstairs, and they went to their room to go to sleep. Tamla expressed to Stacy that she really didn't want to sleep alone because everybody else had someone to sleep with. Jean had Jose, Stacy had Tom, Marcy had Jen, and she's just like, "Who am I going to sleep with?" You know, I'm, I'm all by myself. So Stacy came up with an idea that if they both leave their phones downstairs on a table next to each other, then their phones could sleep together. Which I don't know why that just sounds really weird to me for some reason. I don't know. It's like kinda cute but kinda weird at the same time. So Tamla agrees and they both leave their phones downstairs next to each other so that way their phones can sleep together. And eventually Stacy and Tom head up to bed. Tamla and Bridget, another woman who was at the party, are the only two still awake. And they're just in the kitchen talking. Bridget was actually waiting for her husband to come pick her up because Bridget had anxiety, especially when it came to spending the night at other people's houses. She said she usually felt like she had to keep one eye open when she slept if she was at someone else's house. So she decided that her husband was gonna come and get her. While she waited for him, her and Tamla were just in the kitchen talking, hanging out. Jose at one point comes back downstairs after going up to bed because he had forgotten his phone charger in the basement. So he said he walked downstairs and we walked past the kitchen, he saw Tamla, but for some reason he couldn't see Bridget from I guess the angle of the wall and the kitchen and wherever he was walking. But he said he only saw Tamla. She was just eating gumbo, relaxing, talking to somebody. And eventually he went back upstairs. Tamla and Bridget are still talking, still hanging out in the kitchen when finally Bridget's husband, Gary, shows up and according to Bridget, Tamla walks her to the door, gives her a hug and a kiss on the cheek. Goodbye. And that was it. But before Bridget left, Tamla told her that she was going to go smoke a cigarette before she went to sleep. Now, it's believed that Bridget left Jean's home around 1:47 a.m. And this can be seen on Jean's home security system. And she actually gets notifications anytime the front door or the back door opens or closes. And she got an alert at 1:47 a.m. saying that the door had opened and closed within the same minute. So this seems to be consistent with Bridget leaving her house. Jean's phone then got another alert at 1:49 a.m. with the back door opening. She got an alert at 1:50 with the back door closing. This seems to be consistent with Tamla telling Bridget that she was gonna smoke a cigarette before she went to bed. The next morning, the security system detects the front door opening at 4, 10 a.m. And this was when Marcy actually left. She had actually started a brand new job at a coach store at a nearby outlet mall and she had to be up early for her shift. But what's interesting is her shift didn't start till 10 a.m. Why she was getting up at four in the morning, Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's possible that this just happens to be when she woke up. So she just decided to go ahead and leave and maybe go back to sleep at her house instead of just continuing to sleep at Jean's. Not really sure. The last woman to arrive at the party named Paula, she left next between seven and 7.30 AM. Tom and Stacy left between eight and 8.30 AM. Now before Stacy and Tom left, Stacy decides to go downstairs and get her phone that had been sleeping next to Tamla's. And when she saw that Tamla's phone was still there, she said that she was glad that Tamla had decided to spend the night. Before Stacy went to bed, Tamla had been talking about possibly going home, so she was glad to see that her phone was still there. Madeline, Jean's aunt, who had also spent the night, she woke up around the time Stacy and Tom left, and she went to make some coffee for the morning. But when she walked past a window in the home, she saw the body of Tamla Horsford laying face down on the grass, just below the balcony. She wasn't moving, her arms were straight down by her sides and her legs were straight also. The first thing Madeline did when she saw Tamla's body just laying on the ground outside was to get on her knees and pray.
1: Get the coffee maker started and I went stand by the window and I was just staring out the window and I saw those Dalmatian pajamas, damn but I couldn't remember her name right? because that was the first time I'd met her. Mm -hmm. So, um, I didn't start the coffee. I, 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 I got on my knees and I said a prayer.
0: Now I understand some people are religious and they feel like this is something that they're compelled to do in times of tragedy or hardship. However, If there's a possibility that you could save this person's life and see if they're okay, you would think that you would act as quickly as possible in order to do that. But Madeline didn't even go outside. She saw Tamla and she immediately ran up to Jean and Jose's room. When she ran up there, she said she heard the water running. She assumed that they may be showering, so she lightly knocked on the door but nobody answered. So Madeline goes back downstairs to look at Tamla's body again from the window and she sees her laying there. So She goes back upstairs to Jean and Jose's room and knocks on the door a little bit louder. And this is when they hear her and they say she can come in. Now Madeline requests to specifically talk to Jose. And John's like, why do you need to talk to Jose? What's going on? Like what's, what's the issue? And Madeline says, your friend from the islands is laying in the backyard and not moving. I was asleep. Heard a knock on the door and said, Come in. And my aunt says John I need Jose. And I said, What's going on? And um, she just you could hear the panic in her voice and she was upset. And she said, Your friend, your friend from the island, something's wrong. And I said, What do you mean? Now what's interesting is Jean and Jose were in bed when Madeline came inside. But according to Madeline, the first time she knocked on the door, the water was running. I'm not sure if the water was running and they went to lay back in bed or if the water was never running. Doesn't really make a lot of sense, but according to Jean, the knock from her aunt Madeline is what woke her and Jose up. So why did Madeline hear water running or was there water running? But Jose immediately gets dressed and he runs down to go see what's going on with Tamla and Jean gets up and does the same. She said she's in the backyard. So Jose's like, all right, let me put on my shorts. And we all went running. And I was like, do I call 911? Because I hadn't seen her. I don't know how bad this is. And my aunt's like, she's face down. And Jose's like, call 911 now. John decides to call 911 while Jose goes to check on Tamla And I'm going to play that call for you here
1: Forsyth County, 911. Hi, uh, yes. Um, I, I need an ambulance and a
0: in to my home. Yes. Okay, what's going on? Um, we had people over last night when we were drinking. Most of us went to bed. One of them stayed on the balcony. She was drinking, and we just went out, outside, and she's laying face down in the backyard. It looks like, may- I'm guessing, maybe she fell off the balcony, but she's stiff. Okay, is she breathing? I, I don't know, I don't know if she's face uh, down. Okay. 21, 21. How old is
1: she? At 41. Here, hold on. Hey, this is Jose Pereira. Hey,
0: have y'all checked to see if she's breathing?
1: She's not moving one bit. She's not breathing. Um, okay. I just try to assess her Tesla. She's completely face down in the yard. Um, she is stiff.
0: Okay. They reported that Tamil was found face down, as I said, her arms were directly at her sides with her palms up and her face was just directly making contact with the ground, almost as if she didn't even try to brace herself. Now in the call, a lot of people have thought it was pretty interesting that no one seems very panicked. They seem to be speaking somewhat matter of factly, especially Jose. When he gets on the call, he's kind of explaining the story, but he appears to be talking very, very slowly. Almost as if there's no urgency, there's no panic, there's no hurry, he's just talking. Jose also never attempted to perform CPR on Tamla. Now he said he didn't know if he should move her or not, but if there's a chance that she could still be alive, I think it's okay to move her in order to help save her life. Jose also mentions that there's security cameras in the backyard, but they were dead that night. Police arrive at around 9.07 AM and they go to the backyard where they find Tamla. Now I said, Tamla was found face down, with her arms straight by her sides and her palms up, and her legs were straight as well. But according to police, this is not how they found Tamla. They said that Tamla's left arm was bent at the elbow, almost as if she had tried to brace herself. But everybody that saw Tamla is dead set and 100% certain that her arms were not bent at all. They were directly by her side. I am telling you, Jen saw it I saw it, Jose saw it, my aunt saw it. I will never get that image out of my head that that woman's hands, it was so just unnatural. And mm-hmm. that they were down by her side. And I'm like, even if she fell, why didn't she try to stop? Like, that's my first thought is, I guess I would put my hand, like, how do you land like that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'll never get that image out. I don't know who failed in documenting what. Whether the coroner, the officers on the scene. I don't know if it's somebody moved her.
1: I don't know, but that is what I saw.
0: People argued that police had possibly moved Tamla and tried to make it look like she did in fact brace herself for a fall to make it look like her fall was an accident and then it wasn't done intentionally. People said they may have done this because they didn't want to have to investigate any further into her case and they just wanted to close it and not invest too much time and resources into it because she was a black woman. Woman. Police also said they found cuts on Tamla's wrists, legs, and the side of her face. And there was actually very little blood at the scene. This made people wonder, was this actually where Tamla was found? Or was she moved there from somewhere else? Unfortunately, Tamla was pronounced dead at the age of 41. And this is absolutely horrible to think that you would go to someone's house trying to enjoy yourself and have a good time and you never make it home. Tamla had five sons and a daughter who she took in as her own and a loving devoted husband who actually sacrificed his night out so she could go out. She was always with the kids and Lee felt like she deserved a night to herself and no one expects that you have a night to yourself away from your kids and you didn't even want to go. And then you don't ever make it home. Tamil was an amazing woman and she was so charismatic. She was very friendly. She was always the life of the party and for her to have gone somewhere, expecting to just have a good time. And now her sons don't have their mother. Police went to Tamla and Lee's home to let Lee know about Tamla's death. And when they initially knocked on the door, Lee was actually headed to the bathroom. So he asked their son if he could answer the door instead. But when his son answers the door, he sees that police are there. So he's like, uh, dad, the police are here. So Lee, he goes to the bathroom really quick and he comes back upstairs in order to speak to
1: police. was in the restroom, go downstairs, answer the door. And the cop says, is your name Lee? And I said, and what's this pertaining to? And he said, is your name Lee? And I said, I'm going to ask you once again, what is this pertaining to? He said, is your name Lee? And I said, actually, no, it's not. It's Leander. But once again, what is this pertaining to? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, your wife is deceased. Okay. So he said, it's about your wife. She's deceased. That was his exact words. It's about your wife. She's deceased. And I said, what? I said, no, 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 no,
0: no. And Lee said they said this very coldly, very insensitively, as if they didn't have any type of care that he was receiving such life-altering, heart-shattering news. It's like, they just didn't care to tell him that his wife and the mother of his six children was gone. When Lee asked them what happened, they immediately said, it seems like it was an accident. She fell off the balcony by accident. They just kept pushing the fact that it was an accident.
1: I said, where's she at? And I went to go get my clothes and, and all this stuff because I was thinking this is horseshit. I was first, I was thinking she got into a car accident or something mm-hmm. like that. Somebody hit her or something like that. And they're like, oh, no, it was an accident and this and that. And I did, was Oh, you can't go. You can't go. You can't go over there. Everybody, everything's been taken care of already. No, we don't want you going over there, this and that. And so I was sitting on the front porch with them and they're like, well, it seems that there was an accident. Seems she tripped over something and fell in the grass and, and this and that. And I'm like, my wife tripping over something and falling in the grass. I've seen this girl drink a half a bottle of tequila and dance salsa in six inch heels. Um, That's don't make no sense she didn't trip over anything and they're like, well sir that's where we're at right now this and that um
0: but no autopsy had been completed up to that point so to just tell a family member that it was an accident without even knowing is just wrong they could have said we're still looking into what happened we really don't know at this point i mean you can't just outright tell the man that it was an accident when you haven't even investigated that yet Tamla's body was taken from Jean's home and brought to the medical examiner's office so they could perform the autopsy. Now what's interesting is police only took five photos of Tamla's body, which is a lot less than what you should normally take in the case of someone's death. You're supposed to take a lot of pictures from all angles in order to paint a picture of what happened to this person. But police only took five almost like they were just doing it to say they did it and they really weren't planning on using them. They also very poorly preserved the crime scene surrounding Tamla and they left out the collection of very crucial evidence. Jean, Jose, Madeline and Jen were all still at Jean's house. Now if you recall, Jen was the woman from the night before who had gotten a little too intoxicated and she was still at Jean's house. They were brought back inside in order to get questioned by police, but they were left in the home alone while police were outside doing what they were doing. Now you're really not supposed to leave people by themselves before you question them. I've said this in one of my previous videos, you're supposed to separate people as soon as possible so they don't have time to come up with a story. But this was not done. Seemed like everything was just pretty informal, almost as if they knew each other. Now this hasn't been confirmed or denied, but it seemed like police just knew Jean and her friends a little too well. Not only that, but not every interview was conducted right away. Some were conducted that day, some weren't conducted till almost a week later, which gives people a lot of time to collude and talk and come up with a story and think of a completely different version of what happened that night. You're supposed to separate and question people as soon as possible, but they never did this. And some people didn't even come to the police station. They were just questioned right there in Jean's house, which is just really, really informal. Tamla's autopsy was completed, and she was found to have a lot of small cuts on her body, including on her wrist, her lower legs, her forearm, her chin, and her eyelid. She also had a laceration on the right ventricle of her heart. She had severe injuries to her head, neck, and torso. Her right wrist was dislocated and had small cuts on it, and she had also suffered a brain bleed. Her left shin was bruised, she had a fractured vertebrae in her spine. However, it wasn't said to be severe enough to cause her death. Now what's interesting is that none of the bones in Tamla's face were broken, which is very interesting considering how she was found. She was found face down on the ground. So if she had fallen from the balcony and had landed directly on her face, that means her face would have taken majority of the blow. So how did none of her bones break? Not to mention her teeth were in perfect condition. I mean, the balcony was not close to the ground. It was 14 feet high. So if she had fallen and her face had taken a lot of the impact, she would have most likely broken some bones in her face and she didn't. And this goes back to my earlier argument where some people believe that Tamla was killed somewhere else and placed on the ground face down to make it look like she fell from the balcony. I also want to note that there was no sexual assault kit performed on Tamla. There was also no fingernail test done on her in order to see if there was someone's DNA under there. I mean, she had a lot of cuts on her that looked like defensive wounds. And people argued if she had gotten into an altercation right before she had passed away. But we weren't able to tell this because nobody tested her fingernails for DNA. A toxicology report was done for Tamla and it was shown that she had a blood alcohol content of 0.238, which is three times the legal limit. Tamla also had Xanax and trace amounts of TAC in her system. Now, Tamla did smoke a little bit the night before. She actually smoked with Jean's aunt Madeline and Stacy, but Jean immediately got upset at this because Jose is actually a probation officer. So she didn't want Mary Jane anywhere near her house. As far as the Xanax goes, we really can't figure out where it came from or why she took it. Tamla wasn't prescribed Xanax at all. She had never been prescribed it. She wasn't known to take it regularly, but Bridget, the woman that Tamla was up speaking to, waiting for her husband Gary to get there, she actually wore a vial of Xanax around her neck. I mentioned earlier that she had anxiety, specifically when it came to spending the night at people's houses. We're not sure if Bridget gave this to Tamla because like I said, Tamla was not known to take Xanax. Bridget was known to give out her prescriptions Two people in the group. She had done it a few times. Stacy actually got caught lying about it, but this was something that Bridget was known to do. Now the Xanax in Tamla's system had actually not been metabolized yet, meaning that she had just taken it right before she died. But again, we don't know who gave it to her, how or why. Tamla's official cause of death was ruled to be from multiple blunt force injuries. And her manner of death was ruled to be an accident police said that they found no evidence of foul play. They theorized that Tamla may have tripped and fell over a metal barrier in Jean's backyard, which makes no sense because it was directly on the ground. How would she have died from a fall while she was standing on the ground. That doesn't make any sense at all. Very highly unlikely that given Tamil's injuries that she fell close to the ground because I don't think a fall that close to the ground would have killed her. But then you also have to think, Tamil's injuries don't seem consistent with her falling from the balcony either. I feel like her injuries would be much more severe the fact that she had no broken bones in her face but yet they're trying to say that she may have fell from 14 feet high just doesn't make any sense that's why i said a lot of people believe that tamil was killed somewhere else and placed on the ground in front of the balcony to make it look like she fell Police closed the case on February 20th, 2019, and they were happy with their results. They came to their conclusion that this was an accident. Funeral preparations for Tamla were underway and Lee decided to go to the funeral home in order to view her body before her service. But when he got there, he could not believe what he saw.
1: And this is gonna shock some people, but when I went into the funeral home, I probably scared the shit out of everybody because I yelled, what the fuck, as loud as I could. I walked in and I saw my wife look like she had shoe polish on her face, black shoe polish all over her face. And I flipped out and I was like, nope, nope, nope. And I walked out and I told them, take that off of my wife, take all that. Well, sir, well, we, I'm sorry, but we had to cover up the bruising and this and that. And I don't cover up the bruise. you don't cover up the bruising with black shoe polish. She, my wife is my color, mm. you know? But yet her her skin was this color, that like blackface. Tamla was a very beautiful woman, and mm. she would have never wanted anyone to see to her. Like see
0: her that way. way. And they said that they had to cover up the bruising. Use regular makeup. Use makeup that is her skin tone. Why would you put shoe polish on her? That's crazy. Now if you heard Lee made a reference to blackface and if you don't know what blackface is it's makeup that white actors dating all the way back to the early 18 and 1900s they would put on this blackface makeup it was very dark and they would use this makeup in movies and TV shows to play black characters black people were not allowed to be on screen or on TV because we were discriminated against. So they would have white people dress up as them. Only these black characters, they were made to be the goofy character of the show. So they were made to do very wacky things, crazy things. They were often seen as the butt of the joke. It was just a very caricaturized cartoonish version of what a black person really looks like. And some people argued if the funeral home did this to Tamla, on purpose. To me, that's like the ultimate disrespect to do to somebody, especially after they've passed away. It's just, there's just, there was absolutely no regard. I mean, her family, her children, her husband, they have to see her. And for you to not make sure she looked as good as possible, given what happened to her, just goes to show there was a lack of respect from the very beginning. Now let's go back to the evidence of that night, specifically pertaining to Jean's home security system. The home security system showed that someone did in fact go outside at 149, leaving the back door and then closing it behind them at 150. The door then was seen opening back up at 157, seeming to be consistent with somebody coming back inside. But the door never closed after that. So when this person came back inside, why didn't they close the door back up? Were they not able to? Were they caught off guard? Was it just accidentally left open? And these are questions that police could answer had they investigated properly. Now Jose, Jean's boyfriend, has very differing stories about how he discovered Tamla's body the following morning. Now in an earlier part of his interview, he said that he immediately ran outside to go check on Tamla to see if she was okay. But later on in his police interview, he said that he went up to the balcony first and he moved some things around. He picked up a cigarette and a lighter off the ground and put it on the fire pit before just happening to discover Tamla's body.
1: So when I initially went out there to uh, to see what was going on. There was a loose cigarette and a lighter laying on the back deck and I think just as OCD as I am I walked out and it was just kind of in my path from you know the door to the railing where I looked out. I mean I walked up, set it on the fire pit, and just kept walking. Okay,
0: That's So you actually did that before you saw Correct. Plant thing. Oh yeah, I wouldn't have
1: moved anything if I knew what I was going to walk up on.
0: But that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Wasn't the whole point of him getting up in the first place was to go check on Tamla? So why would he not have gone to her directly? Why would he have just gone to the balcony, picked up some stuff, and been like, "Oh my gosh, Tamla!" As if he didn't know she was already down there. It was definitely a slip up, in my opinion. Now, I also want to tell you guys that Jose was actually fired from his job as a probation officer after being caught trying to access confidential information related to Tamla's case. He was trying to see the progress of it and wanted to find out what people knew. He used his position in order to do so. But as I said, he was caught and ultimately fired. He was also looking into information about a woman named Michelle Graves, who was one of Tamla's close friends. She was very vocal on social media about police reinvestigating her friend's case because she felt like they closed it way too soon. And she definitely was suspicious about the people that were there that night with Tamla. And she called them out by name on social media. And John actually ended up suing her. I don't think that lawsuit ever went anywhere, but Michelle has dedicated her life to finding out what happened to Tamla. Definitely makes you wonder, why was Jose trying to find out the progress of the case? Why was he so concerned about what people knew? Did he want to see if people were on to him? Now, there's a lot about this case that bothers me. But if this is one thing that bothers me, it was Jean's behavior during the investigation. She brought the police Dunkin' Donuts gift cards and her aunt Madeline baked them cookies. I'm going to play a clip of them talking about
1: it. Get out of my head. (laughs) Look, and I just went and got y'all gift cards. Oh, what are they going to bring them on? I I told them I just made them cookies. But then I was told I shouldn't because then it could look bad if I give you something before the case is closed. Oh, you better wait. So, and it's very stereotypical because I figure all cops look like donuts, right? You, You may have something. And
0: then Jean said this. Do you need me or can I go upstairs to get ready for this funeral? Go do your thing. In case you didn't hear that, Jean said, do you guys need me or can I start getting ready for this funeral? Something about that just rubs me the entirely wrong way. This wasn't like, what do you mean this funeral? Your friend's funeral of someone who died at your home? And you're just like, oh, can I start getting ready for this funeral now? It just didn't seem like she was really that sensitive to the fact that someone that she knew and invited into her home had passed away there. It seemed like she was just very curt and the language and the word that she chose to use just doesn't sit right with me at all. And not only that, why are you giving the police gift cards? Did they do something for you? Are you trying to reward them? Do you know them? Are you thanking them for not investigating further? What did the police really do to benefit anybody? As far as we know, the police really didn't do a good job of investigating. And if Jean cared, she would want them to investigate to find out what happened to Tamla. And the fact that they really didn't do a whole lot, in my opinion, they didn't deserve no Dunkin Donuts gift cards because they didn't do anything. But maybe that's what Jean wanted. Mike Christian, detective on the case, was actually found to be sharing confidential information related to Tamla's case to his girlfriend's his girlfriends. He was also said to have referred to Tamla as the porch lady which is again, so insensitive. He ended up resigning because an investigation was launched into him and he pretty much knew that he was gonna get fired anyway, so he just decided to resign. He, along with another detective named Tyler, were also said to have a pretty racist past because of this picture that resurfaced of them. They are seen posing and smiling with two statues that are depicting blackface. Definitely makes you wonder if there is some sort of connection. Once this case gained national attention, people really demanded that it be reopened. People found it very odd that Tamla was the only person at this sleepover that was black, and she was the only person that ended up passing away. The whole thing about it just seemed very suspect, and a lot of celebrities used their platform in order to demand that police reopen this case. I've said this before, I can't stand that this is what it takes for police to investigate into something further, but it worked. And in June of 2020, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation reopened Tamla's case in order to see if they could find any further evidence of foul play. But they didn't. They said they came to the same conclusion but in an independent autopsy that was done by a forensic pathologist that Tamla's family had hired, they actually did find some pretty interesting evidence. For one thing, Tamla's wrist wasn't just dislocated. She actually had a compound fracture. And if you don't know what that is, that's a fracture that's so bad, the bone actually breaks through the skin and is exposed. Those two are very easy to differentiate. And the fact that police called it a dislocated wrist instead of a compound fracture, was definitely a cause for concern. This independent autopsy also revealed that a cut that was found on Tamla's wrist may have been put there after she had died. Tamla's mother and sister sat down for an interview with CNN to express their disdain for the police department and their inability to investigate further in Tamla's case. Ever, 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 ever have I seen my
1: sister become sloppy drunk and incoherent. And so I doubt that she would pick, you know, a sleepover with
0: people that she was just getting to know to start behaving that way. None of this makes sense. None of it. They definitely don't believe that Tamla was so drunk that she fell off a balcony because they had never seen her like that. As Lee had said previously, Tamla knew how to hold her liquor and it just wasn't like her to put herself in a position to where she could potentially harm herself because she was just that drunk. It just didn't make sense to people who knew her. As of today, nobody has been charged in the death of Tamla Horsford. Her case has since been ruled an accident and has been closed back up, and it doesn't look like it's gonna get opened back up anytime soon. This case is very odd, and to me, it's pretty suspicious. I definitely am noticing a pattern of black women seeming to die around their friends. First, it was Tamla Horsford, then Kaneka Jenkins, then Shanquella Robinson. So it just seems to be this weird pattern of black women who just die under very mysterious circumstances around people that they're supposed to be able to trust. The mishandling of cases within the police department almost gives way for things like this to happen because people know that it's not gonna be investigated because this woman is a minority. It makes me sad for Tamla's family, her sons, her husband, that now they have to go on with life without her. She was the center of the family. She was the heart of the family and now she's gone. Her friend Michelle, like I said, has dedicated her life to not giving up on finding out what happened to Tamla. And I really hope that one day she gets justice and we find out what really happened. But with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up today's episode. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you so much for listening and watching. And I hope to see you in the water soon.